guys so much. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. you may be seated. I would um, like to request a copy of that introduction so that on days that I'm depressed and feel insignificant, I can listen to Pastor Ian tell me how great I am. That would be awesome. It is, it is a real privilege and joy to be back here at Victory. I um, honor this house. I honor the very unique presence of the Lord and the way you are stewarding um, the call of God on this house. The entire team, the entire vision here is, is remarkable. And Pastor, Pastor Ian and Pastor Tina, I just bless you guys. And I, I thank the Lord for you. When, you know, I've had the privilege, um, and sometimes burden, but usually privilege, of, of preaching in literally thousands of churches in 48 nations around the world. Um, I've ministered in 48 nations around the world, countless churches and conferences and all of that. And you can tell in a matter of, am I, am I okay? Yes. Something wrong? No. Oh, okay. I didn't know if there was a button off or anything. I'm a little intimidated. One of the things that frustrates me about this church is you're far too good looking. I don't know what, I don't know what happened with the quotient of things. You know, normally God does things fairly. You get a little music and you get a little this and a little that. You got all the good looks. So I don't know what the deal is. Is it on your application? You know, like, you know, I don't know. Um, so I'm worried in the front row that something's wrong. Is my hair out of place? No, okay. You let me know. You tell me. But, but when you, you learn when you are in so many ministry settings, you really can normally tell within the first few minutes what kind of place you've come into. There's just, you really quickly discern a sense of order, a sense of the spirit, a sense of welcoming, a sense of honor. And you all do it so right. I mean, it's just remarkable. I mean, I pulled into the driveway and Joseph just emerged and he was there in the parking lot. You know, I thought they're tracking me on GPS, you know, because this pastor rules this house from an iPad. If you have not been able to tell, he regulates the temperature. The only pastor ever who says, how many decibels do you want it to be in the... It's just remarkable. And, and to have this kind of atmosphere means that Pastor Ian and Pastor Tina have made a thousand decisions of hidden faithfulness and sacrifice that you will never really fully know or understand. A thousand times they have died to themselves and said yes to God. And you and I enjoy the fruit of their yielded lives. And so we honor both of you this morning in an incredible way. Can we bless this man and woman of God and thank the Lord for them. We bless you guys. And then, of course, I mean, the whole team, you know, Alex and Danielle and Michael and Jessica. I mean, Jessica's just leaping like a gazelle this morning, and I'm thinking, well, childbirth is upon us, you know, any, any moment here, and... And, and Liz on the keyboard and just the whole team. And forgive me if I'm forgetting anybody or leaving anybody out, but what a blessed, blessed place this is. And I'm so thankful to be back here. Um, my three sons are with me this morning. Um, my twins, Michael and Daniel, are back in Children's Church. They're 10 years old. So we're gonna just pray for that teacher right now for a moment, please. For <laughs> Michael and Daniel, they're sons of thunder. And... Uh, 
Uh, Isaac is here. Isaac is 14. Isaac, can you stand up? Isaac is 14 years old. Isaac is single and uh, <laughs> available. So uh, <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a real joy and, and privilege to be here. Um, a few things I want to mention quickly to just, because uh, they're important, and then I want to get into the, what the Lord has laid on my heart for this morning. Um, there's a resource table in the back, and I made a commitment a long, long time ago. We don't put out resources just to put out a product. Um, the Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. When we get into our system, when we get into our awareness, tools that gen genuinely are life-giving to us, they make a huge difference in our lives. And so each of the things that we put out, whether it's books, my books are in 12 languages around the world, our CDs, they've gone all over the world, we put them out with a strong sense that there is a now word of the Lord for us. So there's a table in the back, and there's various resources there. Um, this is an awesome, awesome book that we just actually brought the whole tabernacle through this year, and released a study guide with this also for home groups, for small groups, for leadership groups, keepers of the flame. What does it mean to be a people of the presence of God? Um, what does it mean uh, to be defined by the presence of God in our midst? There's a lot of talk today in the church about purpose-driven churches and about uh, self-help churches and all of those things are fine. But in my opinion, if we don't have the presence of God, we are, you know, the, the Rotary Club. Uh, we need God's presence more than anything else. And so this is a powerful equipping tool for you. Um, the Tabernacle of David teaching, I'm going to touch on that this morning. The River CDs are back there. And then just a few quick things I want to mention. We're going to talk in a moment about Jerusalem, about Israel. Why is this important? I am not Jewish. This is a common misconception in the body of Christ. Everybody thinks I'm Jewish. I have a Jewish-sounding last name. I go to Israel all the time. Uh, I am not Jewish. I was uh, raised in a traditional evangelical church, and my whole world has completely um, shifted uh, as I have discovered uh, what I'm going to try to unpack a tiny, tiny, try to pack 25 years into um, Pastors told me we've got to be done by 1.30, so I'm going to be careful to, um, no rules. But, we, but, but this important. So uh, we have two little booklets. My, one of my spiritual fathers, Pastor Jack Hayford, who's just such an amazing leader in the body, has written this little book, Why Do We Stand With Israel Today? We, he, he transferred the copyrights of this to me. We've printed 300,000 of these in a dozen languages around the world. These are just quick little things. Please listen to me. If you are not clear on where you stand on the question of Israel and why you stand there, sometime in the very near future, you're going to be challenged on that. In school, in work, in a family relationship, the issue of Israel and the Middle East is not going away. It is increasing in our world right now. And so you cannot be a relevant believer in this generation without having an articulate understanding of God's heart and framework for Israel and the Middle East. And these tiny little tools will just begin to help press you into the right direction. And this is part of our day of prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem movement. I believe you all have participated in that on the first Sunday of every October. 
We had last year about 350,000 churches in 174 nations, 29 languages who participated. So if you stop by the table, fill this little thing out, we'll get you your day of prayer email that um, gives you the information on how to join this global prayer movement. And these, these books are free. Two other quick announcements, and I'm done with this portion of things. We have coming up, do you, I don't believe you have a Sunday night service. Do you have a Sunday night service? Okay, good. So, because uh, anything we would do at the tabernacle, we always, always, always would want you to prioritize first your commitment here to this house. This is your house. This is the place where your first commitment always is. But as a regional kind of apostolic center, we try to serve the body of Christ in the region uh, in that way. We have a very important seminar coming in next month, uh, March 19th and 20th, Should Christians Stand with Israel? And we're bringing in three academic leaders, Dr. Brad Yun is the chairman of the Old Testament Department at Oral Roberts University. Uh, he's an amazing man. Reverend Dr. Gerald McDermott is an Anglican priest and serves as the Anglican Chair of Divinity at Samford University's Beeson, Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, and Dr. Tricia Miller. What's the point? A lot of times, support for Israel is dismissed as hyper-emotionalism, as shallow theology. Well, you know, they haven't really done their homework. This is just some kind of overly zealous movement. These are very solid academics uh, with many earned PhDs who are going to unpack for us the academic human rights case for why Christians should engage with Israel and the Middle East. So powerful um, seminar that is coming in just over um, the border there. Amen. Amen. And then always, you all are always welcome for our Friday Night Keepers of the Flame um, things. I was thinking I'd love to have the worship team down sometime to minister on one of our, our Keepers of the Flame once a month Friday nights is just our full-on river worship service where we just go, ah, God, and we do that for hours on end, and it's awesome. Amen. Father, thank you for this special time we have in your presence. Just continue to Speak to us this morning, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I want to try to throw out some themes, some ideas, some vocabulary words that we can maybe dig into a little bit this morning in order to discern the hour that is upon us as believers at this moment in history? How do we understand who God is calling us to be at this place in human history? If you've not realized it yet, you don't attend a normal local church. <laughs> I don't know if you've figured that out. I hope you have. This is not a normal, nice little corner of Main Street local church. This is an embassy for the kingdom of God in Fort Erie and the surrounding regions to release a different kingdom, a different culture, a different atmosphere, and to cleanse the airwaves, to cleanse the uh, forces around and to bring the breath of God's spirit. Can you say amen? And so 
what is happening, and it really is happening, I've been around the world enough times to see this, it's, it's, it's really truly happening in our day. There is a massive awakening that is coming in the church. There, you can call it revival, you can but call it a lot of things. I, I don't think any of those terms fully communicate the magnitude of what we're about to see in our lifetime. I personally believe, and I've only begun sharing this in the past few months, but I personally believe we are about, we really are starting to step into something that should Jesus tarry, historians will look back, what we're stepping into is of the same level of magnitude as the Protestant Reformation. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a seismic shift. Now, I, have, I don't have much time this morning, and I've got to give you just absolutely everything I've got, so I will talk fast, you'll listen fast. That's our deal, okay? <clears throat> we march on in church, generally speaking, blissfully unaware of how much of what we're doing is cultural Christianity and not genuine biblical spirituality. So much church stuff has been passed down to us that we have a hard time even distinguishing what is genuinely what God wants us to be walking in versus the machine, the institution of the church. But I believe with all of my heart that God is raising up a people in this hour. God is raising up a people who are hearing a different sound, prioritizing their life around a different value system, and beginning to press into something that is absolutely revolutionary. And I believe that this house, your life, is a part of that. Each one of us play a role in history that we cannot even imagine. Who was Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher? To get my point? You know, God bless those people back in the, in the children's church this morning. Every single one of us have a part to play that we may feel, well, my place isn't significant. You know, I'm not up there, da, da, da. Don't confuse ministry with microphones. Faithfulness in where you are serving is absolutely necessary for the fullness of God's kingdom to come. So that gives meaning and value to whatever place we're serving in the body. Amen. All right, now I'm, I'm gonna go quick and I'm gonna try to do this by telling a story. Uh, would you say the word alignment? alignment? If there's one word I want you to walk away with this morning, the word is alignment. That is what I believe is happening right now and it's happening all around the world. Churches, ministries, individuals who have loved God for decades, served God for decades, but never quite felt like they fit in. You haven't felt like you fit in because what you're designed for hasn't yet appeared on the earth. 
And so you've tried to be faithful and you've tried to walk here and you've tried to go there, but, and it's all good, but you know that there's something, there's something greater you're created for that you're to press into. And it's because God has been forming you, waiting for your Kairos to line up with Kronos. Waiting for your moment of divine appointment to line up with what God is doing. Now, how did this whole thing start? Say alignment. alignment. How did this whole thing start? The whole thing started in Ur, this guy Abram. There's idol worship. There's Monotheism doesn't exist. Doesn't exist as a concept. There's no, no one has ever thought of the concept of one God. They've thought of the sun God, the moon God, the river God, the harvest God. They've thought of all the gods. The concept of one God doesn't exist. And Abram hears a voice. Oh. Abram, get up. Leave this place. What place? Not just the physical place, but leave this place of polytheism. Leave this place of spiritual confusion. Get up, Abram. Go. Where? I'll show you. Some of you are here this morning and you've heard God say go, but you're paused and you're waiting because you don't want to follow through on that till he tells you where you're going. That's not how God works. God says go. Why, God? I want to know where I'm going. It's not where you're going. It's who you're going to become while you're getting there. It's not where you're going. It's who I'm going to make you to be in the journey. So God can never tell you where you're going because it isn't about the where, it's about the what he's gonna do in you. So God speaks to Abram and he says, go, go to the land I'm gonna show you. And Abram begins this journey. And somehow on a cold but sunny morning in Fort Erie, Ontario, Canada, an ocean and five millennia later, we're here as the faith sons and daughters still walking in the journey of Abram. It's extraordinary. Now, what was Abram's journey based on? And this is where it's going to get pretty intense. So we get out of the boat and we kind of walk on water. What was Abram's faith journey based on? It was based on a voice. God says, go. There weren't scriptures. There wasn't a Bible college. There wasn't a discipleship program. God says, get up and go. And this journey begins. Now, that we all know, Abram, Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, the tribes, all of the stories that come forth out of that. I've got to skip over all of that this morning. We fast forward to the year AD 70. Everybody say 70. 70. What happened in AD 70? Yes, who said it? Yes, who said it? The temple was destroyed. The temple is destroyed in AD 70. And the Jewish people are dispersed to 106 nations of the earth. They lose their language, they lose their temple, they lose their government, they lose anything that defines them as a people. Well, what happened to Abram's story? 
What happened to Abram's promise? What happened to Abram's God? Because how can you separate Abram's God from Abram's story and Abram's promise? And for 2,000 years, the children of Israel are dispersed to 106 nations of the earth and they undergo persecution and tribulation and trial, usually under the banner of the cross. Historically, Jews have done much better under Muslims than they have under Christians. Historically. For 2,000 years. Now again, I am giving you 25 years of teaching in 25 minutes. But I'm just wanting to set a framework in place. Until the horrors of the Holocaust break out. Where does that happen? Not in the deep, dark jungle of some uncivilized land. No, at, in the nation that has the highest level of culture on the planet at the time. The operas of Wagner are the background music for the ovens of Auschwitz. And six million Jews are obliterated in Christian Europe. Where was the church? Where was the prophetic voice? Where was righteousness? Where was justice? The church was disunified. The church was easily bought by political enticement, not understanding that God is not right-wing or left-wing. God is yeah. above all of it. And now the promise of Abram is reduced to the ash heaps of the concentration camps. And nothing seems farther from coming to pass than the dream that God had given Abram, everything. And this is one of the most amazing things to me. The rebirth of the state of Israel, the, the fulfillment that's my amen corner right back there. He's, he's been praying me into this pulpit for, <laughs> for, for months. The rebirth of the state of Israel. Do you know how many times promises to Jerusalem are mentioned in this book? 800 times. Do you think maybe that's central to something we should be thinking about? It's unbelievable. We will find a couple verses here and a couple verses there on some theme and we'll preach it and preach it. 800 times God talks about Jerusalem, Israel, the Jewish people. Right? Abram, Moses, David, Isaiah, Deborah, the Apostle Paul. Not a Southern Baptist in the bunch. All of them Jews. Writing a book to Jews. And you and I are the wild olive branch, the Apostle Paul tells us, who've been grafted in to that story. Now, where are we going with this? And how does this all relate to victory and Fort Erie and your life? <clears throat> in 1948, not when things looked good, but when things looked as horrible as they could possibly look, one-third of the entire Jewish population, which only was about 15 million, 15 to 17 million, is wiped out. And God says, 
Now's the time. And against all odds, in 1948, the Jewish people come back to the promised land. Somebody here this morning has a promise they've been waiting on for God. And you've been praying about it and believing for it and holding on for it. But that promise you've been waiting for has never seemed farther away than it seems right now this morning. Can I tell you, not only is our God not scared of the word impossible, he's attracted to the word impossible. Our God is attracted to situations where he says, I'm gonna get involved here and I'm gonna receive such glory through the redemptive story of this situation that my character is gonna be known, my mercy, my grace, my greatness is gonna be made manifest. So, I'm in Israel three weeks ago. I'm leading a team of 30 millennial pastors under the age of 35 who've never been to Israel. Their minds are being blown. And we're walking down what's known as the path of the patriarchs, which is the path that all of the righteous Jews would have walked going back up to the city of Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And we're just walking along. And Pastor Ian mentioned earlier the revival that happened in the mid-90s under our ministry in New Jersey. It was a remarkable experience. We had a sustained open heaven revival for three and a half years. We had over 800,000 people physically in the meetings. People would line up two hours early to get into the building. Over 4,000 churches came through. And so I have been in times where the presence of God overwhelms us. I don't know if you've experienced that, I would like to lovingly and encouragingly warn you that it's probably on its way. There's going to be a time when you're going to go off-roading with Jesus. There's, there's, there's going to be, the, and I, I, you know, I'm all about order and I love it all, but there's going to be moments when God shows up and you're just, right? And he's just doing his thing. So I'm walking down the path of the patriarchs three weeks ago, out in this open path, 30 pastors, millennial pastors walking with me, and our Orthodox Jewish guide named Aviad, and it's a long story, I can't get into it, but the Orthodox rabbi of Beverly Hills decided to come on the trip with us. He's become a friend of mine, and he said, I want to come and see Israel through a Christian's eyes. So the Orthodox rabbi, you can't make this stuff up. The Orthodox <laughs> rabbi of Beverly Hills, who, who now texts me every day, we talk every day, comes on this trip, and we're walking down the path three weeks ago, and God hits me. I'm telling you, I'm walking down, enjoying the scenery, just walking, and and in a matter of seconds, I am bent over, and I am groaning in the Holy Spirit, and I am having a Holy Ghost meltdown 
that I probably hadn't experienced almost since the 90s in those moments. And I'm like, Rah! you know. And I've got 30 millennial pastors around me who are all as hip as these guys, you know. And I'm like, oh, great, you know, oh, it's this. And, and I got the two Orthodox guys, and I'm so, and I am just undone by the Holy Spirit. And it lasts for probably five minutes. And I am speaking in tons, like, I, I mean, just, I'm thinking, where am I right now? It's just wild. It's, it's, it's that weird thing where like a part of you is still conscious that this is happening, but you couldn't stop it if you tried. It's a very bizarre kind of deal that's going on there. And I come up out of this thing and here's what happened. I feel the Holy Spirit. I turn to this Orthodox Jewish guide who's guiding us, Aviad, and to the Orthodox rabbi of the Beverly Hills Synagogue. And I say to them, the Lord has a word for you. This does not normally happen in Orthodox Jewish <laughs> congregations. We're standing out there. I said, the Lord has a word for you. And I said, God says to you, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Upon my servants and my spirit of prophecy. I said, the Lord says this to you. Your people gave the prophets to the nations of the world. And there will come a time again where the spirit of prophecy rests upon the house of Israel. And you don't just study about what the prophets did. You prophesy again what God is doing in our world and in our time. What's the point? What does this have to do with alignment? What does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with this house? I don't have time to get into it all, but we have been living for 2,000 years in a syncretistic Christianity that is more linked to Greco-Roman theology than it is to the culture out of which it came, which was the culture of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there is, a, there is an alignment that is coming right now, and what is the alignment around? God says to Abram, Abram. What was that? It was God's voice in Abram's ear. What did God give to the Jewish people generation after generation? He, God said, Micah. God said, Isaiah. God said, Jeremiah. God said, Esther. God said, Gideon. What did God give them? His voice and a hearing ear. If we don't have a speaking God and a hearing ear, we have nothing. We've got principles, we've got rules, we've got doctrines. What's happening in this generation is that there are a people who are once again saying, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not gonna go. We're not gonna go. And I don't care how, and I say, and I, I wrestle, I say, God, I don't wanna be self-righteous, I don't wanna be judgmental, but you can build a church today with 
none of the tough love that you get here. And you know what you're building? You're building a 65-minute pop inspirational concert. And people are flocking to what's missing, the voice of God. That voice of the Lord that speaks to our hearts. I want to tell you, and it's, it's, it's really the thing that keeps me hopeful is that I'm so connected to the nations that I see what God is doing in Brazil, in Africa, in Asia. There is an army that is arising that understands fivefold Christianity, that understands the apostolic wisdom of God, and they are aligning to Jerusalem like never before. And when you guys finally get there, because you're all going, <laughs> when you get there, the on switch is gonna be unbelievable. But you can step into that even now, say, God, we wanna be a hearing church. We wanna be a receiving church. We wanna hear your voice. You know what the definition of religion is? Religion is people who've never had an experience with God telling other people who've never had an experience with God about people who had an experience with God. I don't want to live off secondhand information. If I can hear the voice of God, if I can stand in his presence, if I can be in the courts of the Lord, then that's worth everything. That's worth everything. You're blessed, and I'm closing. You're blessed to be led by this incredible, incredible group. But can I say this to you? It's time for you to dig your own well in God. You can't live off their anointing. You've got to come to the place where you say, God, I've got to get up that extra 30 minutes early in the morning, and I've got to shut off Facebook and shut off Twitter and shut off the noise of my own soul so I can hear Abram. Abram, Mary, Stephanie, Jonathan, Derek, Adam, Suzanne, get up, get up, go, go to the land I'm going to show you. What land, God? Just take the next few steps because it's a journey in faith and you're going to be transformed by that journey. Father, I thank you for this amazing house. And I pray that this house would come ever increasingly into alignment with the now voice of God. The law of the Lord will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God, you are still a speaking God. You are speaking to the nations today. You are speaking to the prophets today. You're speaking to individuals today. God, we say yes to you. Would you just give God your yes right where you are right now? Just give God your yes. Give God your yes. God, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm walking. I'm following. Yeah, but... Bishop Robert, you don't know my disappointment. You don't, Bishop Robert, you don't know how I've been hurt. Bishop Robert, you don't know what went wrong. Honey, you don't know my disappointment. We've, we, we can sit around and compare our disappointments all day long. Or we can get up and we can follow the voice of the one who is faithful and true. We follow the cloud of his presence, the cloud of his presence.
accomplish it. He will bring it to pass. In Jesus' name. Many times, those of us in America are unaware that Israel faces some significant poverty issues. Uh, many of the new immigrants who come, uh, many of those who've come from the former Soviet Union or from Ethiopia, many of them are struggling to make it here in the land. Uh, many of the Holocaust survivors came with, with no family, with no training, and now they're very old and they're endeavoring to make a life for themselves here. You and I together can reach out with the love of God in the name of Jesus and meet practical needs for these who are Jesus' family. These are Jesus' brothers and sisters. The Bible says, as much as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, these are the biological family of Jesus and we're reaching out to them with love and compassion today, together through our partnership. and to train others how to have that same kind of heart. Right. And to see it here, not only to feed the hungry, but to feed every need, every spiritual need for whatever need that you have, whatever lacking. It's time for you to say, I want to be a part, not only of the idea of Israel, not only of the idea of what's happening in the Holy Land, but I want to do something real. I want to do something practical. You can do that by joining us on one of our pilgrimages, or you can do that by becoming a monthly partner and saying, I'm standing with Eagle's Wings. I'm standing with you in the work that you're doing in the land. Won't you prayerfully consider today joining with us and making a real difference? I came here from Denver, Colorado. That's where I grew up. I made Aliyah 15 years ago. Even though I have a master's in applied math, I could never get my Hebrew very good. So I never got good enough to really compete in the high-tech workforce. I come here as often as I can because it, it really is the best food around, for one thing. It's very nutritious. They somehow managed to get about 20 different vegetables into every meal. For those who support Eagle's Wings and, and for the Eagle's Wings organization, I really do thank you. It's, uh, it's how I get my food. You know? <laughs> 